Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, uh, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 167 of Selling the Couch. Hope you're having a fantastic day, and thank you so much for taking the time to tune into today's episode. My gosh, these episodes are flying by. I can't believe that in many ways this podcast is, uh, well, in many ways, in one way, I guess. What is it, 15, 16, 17, four years old? My gosh, that's crazy. Thank you so much for continuing to listen and sharing it with our colleagues. You know, one of the things about podcasting is you never quite know how well you're doing. And I'm just so grateful for the little messages that I receive and the ratings and reviews of the podcast that I receive. Those things, those little things, it feel like little things, but they're actually big things in my world. And I'm just so grateful that you guys would take the time to write notes and leave reviews and all of those things. So today's podcast session is on the topic of sacrificial helping syndrome. And now the first time I heard this phrase, it was like I knew what that phrase meant because I have lived this Um and my guest today is Katie Vernoy. Katie is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's out in Torrance, California, and her business is Evolve to Thrive Consulting. And her website is over at katievernoy.com. And Katie had approached me about this topic because she realized that a lot of clinicians in private practice struggle with giving so much of themselves that, and that they almost see that, you know, if we're honest, right, that we see the work we do, we take a lot of pride in it. But the other side of that is we can almost wear overexerting ourselves and taking on too much as a badge of honor. And as a measure of our competence and, and as clinicians and our success as business owners. And I just wanted to have a conversation on this today, this topic of sacrificial helping. How do we see it in ourselves? How can we be honest and address it when we do see it? How do we maintain that balance? Because we go really into this of, on one hand, we are both helpers and healers with kind hearts, but then we're also business owners. And it's a weird tension to be a helper and a healer with a kind heart, knowing that you have your own business and there's the pool to create income. And so how do you hold that and how do you balance all of that? Today's podcast is supported by Turning Point HQ. Uh, this is a brand new sponsor on the STC podcast, but David and 
I call him Dave. Dave and I have gotten to know each other over the past two years. He was a previous STC podcast guest. And honestly, Dave is one of the most kind and generous and helpful people that I know. And with sponsors, you guys know I'm I'm super discretionary in terms of who I share uh, the STC audience with. And Dave, when uh, we talked about sponsorship, he was one of those people. I just I had zero doubt. And so Dave is a financial planner, uh, specifically for therapists. And his whole mission is to transform your relationship with money. I know for many of us. Uh, money is something that, and the money stories that we have often been told, it impacts a lot of how we do business. It impacts how we approach things like retirement and investing and all of those things. And Dave understands that. And he comes from just a very heart-centered place to help us build out an investment in a retirement portfolio. Dave actually has this really cool guide. Uh, it's absolutely free to download, and it's called The Seven Money Mistakes That Hold Therapists Back. You can find it over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And that guide has a lot of the things that, that can hold a lot of therapists back. And actually, if you go through that link as well, you get $200 off any service that Dave provides. So we'll get right to today's podcast session. Here's my conversation with Katie Vernoy from katievernoy.com. Hi, Katie. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Hi, Melvin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. I have been a listener for a while and I just love what you're putting out in the world. No, you're so welcome. I remember I told you this right before we started recording, but when you reached out, I recognized the name, but when you mentioned the topic that you wanted to talk about, the idea of sacrificial helping, I don't know, it was almost like there were words to something that I have struggled with for a long time. <laughs> and I know that a lot of listeners, maybe it's just sort of our personality makeup, whatever it is, right? Our oh, yeah. Origin, whatever it is, right? There's, I know that this episode is going to resonate with a lot of people, and I'm just so grateful for your willingness to share. Oh, yeah. No, I joke that I, this is something where, I mean, I joke, I made this up, sacrificial helping syndrome, but I always joke that for me, sacrificial helping syndrome, impartial remission, I'm still on this journey because I think it is, it's about, you know, kind of what we've had in our lives that make us helpers also can make us sacrificial helpers. Absolutely. Well, I thought we would just start at the very top. So for you, how would you define sacrificial helping syndrome? Basically, sacrificing your own well-being to help others. But that's kind of using the words in the definition. And when I talk about it, I look at, we will forgo our own needs to do the help that we do. So for therapists, that's fitting clients in when we don't have time. It's not eating lunch. It's having the 10 client day. It's working on the weekends when you don't need to. It's that kind of stuff. It's focusing all of your attention on helping others and foregoing your own needs and potentially even, you know, kind of living a life that's not necessarily a thriving life because you're so focused on the help. And oftentimes that also looks like people will define themselves by being a helper. They get so much value and meaning from being a helper that they help all the time. It becomes compulsively helping. You know, it's helping people in the work. So it's having lots of therapy sessions and then it's caregiving after work. So in truth, uh, sacrificial helping syndrome and the way I'm defining it is really focusing so much of yourself on your work that you don't really take care of yourself appropriately. Mm. I could almost see like, as you were talking, there's 
this element of almost losing your own identity in that process because you're so focused on that role of helper. Exactly. And I think in truth, many of us, that was the role we had in our family of origin. Oftentimes we were parentified kids and we took care of people in our family. So in some ways, it's not even necessarily losing our identity. It's just been that our whole identity and our whole lives have been that of helper and that that's where we've gotten value and that's where we've been praised and that's where we've really known how to interact with other people is by helping them. When you had reached out and I was trying to figure out the way that, you know, I wanted to think through this conversation, one of the things that I just kept thinking back to was the challenge of, for a helper, a lot of times is that we're both a helper as well as a business owner. Exactly. And that, I don't know, to me, that just felt like it's such a, in some ways, it's a strange dynamic, right? And I was wondering if you could just reflect on that, especially, you know, this idea of this intersection of being both a helper as well as a private practitioner. I think the most difficult part about being a helper and a business owner is that, well, there's a lot of difficult parts, actually, to be honest. One of them is that we are doing this because we feel it. We want to do it. We get value and meaning from doing it. It's such meaningful, powerful work. And so we want to do it even if we don't get paid for it, right? So trying to ask for money for it or trying to set up really strict business practice for it can seem for it. It can, can seem to be going against the grain. And so, so the first piece is really that... We have enjoyed helping and want to keep doing it and make a living doing it, but more make a life doing it. And we don't necessarily think about making a living, but we also have had society, you know, kind of look at us and give us praise for it and expect us to do this kind of work out of the goodness of our hearts. And so trying to ask for money for it, it's just hard, right? Like I just think there's so much of this where we want to do it. And so asking for money feels foreign. Yeah. And I know that for me, this is something that I've struggled with, which is I've literally had this dialogue in my mind. How can I charge for something that comes so naturally to me? I mean, doesn't everybody have this ability? You know? <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and I think the other piece is, is it feels too, I don't know, it, it feels like it goes against the humanity of it to try to set up business structures too, because mm. it just, there's this feeling giving place, this connectedness, and to then, you know, hold to a, a, you know, no-show or cancellation policy or doing the things that strong business owners must do feels so cruel or cold. And so I think there's that other piece of those who are big-hearted helpers. And so holding boundaries or setting up business practices can just feel like we're making it too structured or too you know, businessy. <laughs> I can't think of a better word right now. Yeah, no, I think that's it's a good way of describing it. I don't, and not at all to put you on the spot because I really want this to be more of like an honest conversation, but I feel like a lot of clinicians struggle with this, right? The kind hearted helper part of themselves versus the fact that they're business owners. So I guess in situations like that, where there are no shows or cancels, or even thinking about like raising fees, that's a recent conversation that's been happening a lot in the community. Mm -hmm. What have you found helpful in holding that tension of both being a helper, but also realizing you're a business owner and not letting that sort of emotional part, you know, creep in and impact or influence our actions? 
I think it's difficult for me. I've had to really make a mindset shift. And I think back to some of my early days as a therapist when I was doing parenting classes. And in a lot of ways, it's the same thing, right? Like we need to show care for, for children. We need to, to give them love and hugs and, and all of that nurturance. But then we also have to set boundaries and hold rules and all that kind of stuff because we know that helps their development. And so for me, I've just really made sure that I have put this mindset of, I am doing this to improve the work. So when I hold boundaries, when I have a really strong frame, that means that my clients are going to get better. And then the other piece is I also look at what happens when I don't hold the frame, when I don't charge for no-shows, when I don't set strict boundaries, when I don't raise my fees, when I don't do those things. I won't be able to continue helping. I've seen so many people burn out or not be able to sustain a business because they've not done the strong business practices. And so I just remind myself that if I don't do this, I won't be able to continue doing this and I won't be able to help anybody at all. That's such a good way of putting it. I, As you were talking, I had this phrase and I just like wrote it down, which is essentially by taking care of myself and my business, I serve my clients even better. For sure. Exactly. And I guess the other piece of that is, and we're talking about it, which is that you can both be a smart and good business owner, but that doesn't mean that you're like mean or kind or, you know, like setting boundaries in business does not make you like a bad helper or a bad person. I think that's such an important idea because I think there's the difficulties that we have internally with this idea that I, if I'm going to help somebody, I need to care for them and I need to to be nice to them and let them kind of move in their own way. And I think there's some truth to that, but that can also turn into poor boundaries. But I also think that there's this martyrdom that can happen within the profession where we look at each other and anybody who's ambitious or setting limits or raising fees, there's a certain amount of kind of public shaming that can happen. I think this is decreasing, fortunately, but I think that there's this idea that, you know, even within our profession, people are saying, oh, we should do it out of the goodness of our hearts and that kind of stuff. I think it it shows up in so many ways. And so it can feel really hard to feel like I'm being a strong business owner and it's good to have ambition and strong practices and, and step into leadership as a helping professional because it helps our society when people are like, I can't believe she charges that much or, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's not helping for free. That seems weird. You know, I think there's a lot of momentum towards this sacrificial helping even within our own professions. So I think it's it's important that we remind ourselves that being strong business owners means that we decrease mental health stigma because we get more visibility, we help more people, and we're able to sustain these careers. It's uh, really a lot about the long-term view, right? Yes. Because I think, I don't know, even I think about just my own journey and, you know, even situations like that, right? Like a cancellation or a no-show, that's like, almost like an immediate fire. And it's so easy to just focus on that immediate situation or immediate fire that we don't take a step back and think like, could this little action, which feels big at the moment, but how is that impacting sort of my long-term growth as a business owner? How is it impacting the growth of the business? And even the other side of it, how is it impacting my ability as a helper, right? Is it making me more resentful, more tired? Those mm -hmm. For sure. I mean, I think it's hard to think about each small thing. And, and 
it can be a cancellation, but it also can be shoving clients into your schedule. I know that's something that I've always struggled with is this idea. If I have a minute, I can use it to do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not every minute's the same. You don't have the same amount of energy. Certainly having 20 clients over two days, is just not reasonable. But if somebody's like, oh, I really need to come in and this is the only time I can come in and that kind of stuff, it can feel very present. I think those little decisions that we make every single day can lead to things that really don't work. I mean, you know, oh, well, a client really needed to come in. So I put them in at seven, even though I'm usually exhausted by seven. And then you have the session at seven and it's an awful session or, you know, you're trying not to yawn or you're trying to stay focused. Like, those little decisions can set you up for really poor practices, not just like, oh, I'm not going to make enough money, but it can be like, I'm really turning into a bad therapist. Yeah. You just never think about any of those things. You know? <laughs> By the way, I have no idea what you're talking about, about the squeezing in people. To- <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to shift a little bit, which is what are some of the common signs that a practitioner should be aware of when they are either like pressing up against or even moving past that boundary of being like, I guess, an appropriate or a good business owner versus that sort of sacrificial helping syndrome. Well, you mentioned one of them, which is kind of that burnout or the bitterness that you can get. Resentfulness, I think is what you said. When you've fit somebody in or you've had a cancellation after you got into the office early or something. And I think when we start feeling resentful at our clients or we start thinking about the vacations they're taking or the nice car that they're driving and our beat up car that we keep having to take to the shop. I mean, I think when we have those thoughts where we're really getting frustrated with our clients on a human level because our human needs aren't being taken care of, I think that's one. And that's one that I think we talk about a lot. I think there can also be those days of fantasizing about people canceling or no showing because you're so exhausted. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it shows up a lot for me is that I'll, I'll overcommit and then I'll start fantasizing about my days off or really dreading the beginning of the week because I'm just too tired. Mm-hmm. And it's different now that I'm working for myself because I love all the stuff that I'm doing and I'm very energized by it. But when you overcommit because you're helping other people, because you're so excited about what you're doing, you can still burn out even doing stuff that you absolutely adore. So, mm-hmm. so when you really are feeling just white. I think that's another one. I think the other piece is when you start feeling that anxiety, I guess, when you're thinking about setting limits and and you're really getting in your head about it. I think that can be a growth edge, but it can also be an indication that you're ready to take that step towards setting better limits, but you're not doing it necessarily. And so I think definitely looking at, you know, how am I feeling? Am I feeling energized by the work? Am I able to look at the week and say, yeah, this seems doable or, you know, I need to hustle a little bit this week, but it's, it feels good versus, you know, I, there was a, I'm just, I, all of a sudden I was thinking about this incident at community mental health when I was working there. And there was a woman and I who were talking about, you know, if we broke our legs, could we take time off? Or like, if we got sick, like fantasizing about being sick, so we could actually take time off. I mean, not feeling entitled to actually take time off and needing to have your body scream at you or, you know, a snow day or something to force you to take a day off and you're not doing it yourself. Like that's another sign. I'm going to probably butcher this phrase, but I had an old supervisor who used to tell me, 
you know, like Melvin, our professions are different, right? Like for example, with the surgeon, right? Obviously their ability and intellect and learning, all that's important, but the tools that they use, right? Scalpels and all of those things, those are the things that allow them to do surgeries, right? Mm -hmm. But for us, like we ourselves are the tools, right? Our knowledge, our training, all of those things. And what you have to do is you have to take care of just the way, same way that a surgeon takes care of their tools. We also have to take care of the tools that are given to us. And for me, I was like, it was very enlightening for me mm-hmm. to, to look at it that way because I just never thought of, you know, my training, my expertise, personality, any of those things in, in that way. And I think it can be pretty hard because we can, especially, you know, depending on when people start the career, if you're pretty young, when you start the career, you can push yourself pretty hard and still feel like you can do the work. Mm -hmm. And as we move forward in the career, as we, you know, kind of age, as we do all the different things that we do, as we, you know, move forward through the profession, we have less of that energy and it becomes more and more apparent that we can't just keep pushing through and do high quality work. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that or maybe never learned it. I'm so glad that your supervisor, one of your initial supervisors told you that because I don't think I was ever told that. I, I had to recognize over time that when I'm doing work, whether it's my therapy work, my coaching work, you know, creating stuff, you know, writing the stuff that I'm doing, like if I've not taken care of myself as the instrument of the work, it's substandard work. And, you know, like, oh, I'm not writing very well. You know, I'm trying to write a book right now. I'm not writing very well. Okay. You know, that's just impacting me. But if I'm not doing good clinical work, that's impacting my client. I mean, that's one of the tricks is that you think about how not taking care of yourself will hurt other people. Because <laughs> we're not necessarily going to be able to shift away and say, well, I want to feel good for myself. I mean, most of us feel pretty selfish saying that. But but when you think about it that way, it can be very hard to to justify long nights or adding 27 clients into a day, you know, without having the time for it, you know, that kind of stuff. It can feel really selfish to keep pushing if you really think about how negatively impacted your work will be if you've run yourself ragged. I feel like folks are going to be listening to this and I don't know if you have the answer because I feel like I'm still struggling with the answer to this, <laughs> but I feel like a common thing is I have to pay the bills, right? And I've had mm-hmm. all these no-shows, like all of this sounds really good. But the reality is like, I have to pay a mortgage or I have to pay for childcare, whatever it is, right? And so that's the reason why I have to see o- overload my schedule, those kind of things, I guess. And Katie, not at all, I'd put you on the spot, like, but how do you sort of respond? Because even I can think about this and think through this with you, of course. Yeah, I think it is hard, especially for folks who are starting out. I think that's why when people start out, I think really looking at creating a budget that makes sense, you know, investing in things can be important, but looking at does that investment work right now? Do I want to do that now? You know, you have to kind of look at what's realistic. But as far as like putting your schedule together, thinking about how you want to set up your practice, it really comes down to what are the actual financial pieces, you know, what are the milestones that you need to meet? What are the things that you have to do? And then holding to it, because I think oftentimes we'll shove a ton of things into our schedule because we've not charged enough, or we'll end up 
doing, you know, kind of the, oh, I'm going to see a lot of clients, but then we do substandard work or we, we have kind of a moment with them. And so then they don't stay. So then we're constantly churning clients rather than growing a caseload. And each person's style is different. So some people are already doing short-term work and they have to look at it a different way. But I think oftentimes when we're able to remind ourselves that charging the right amount for you know, your financial needs, and then also really holding boundaries so that you're doing the highest quality work with each of your clients, I think is really important because it can be surprising how quickly when someone's burning out or not doing really high quality work, how quickly their, their clients start turning over. And that's money. That's real money. Yeah. And I think going back to that point we were talking about earlier, it, it is really easy to just focus on sort of the immediate need, but then I know for me, like sometimes not to think about the long-term thing, right? So if I'm mm-hmm. overstretching myself in the present, right, this may lead to early termination, for example. Yeah. And if it's not early termination and you, you know, you're somehow squeaking it out and, and the clients are finding positive benefit, which hopefully we you know, always are providing benefit to our clients. I've seen so many people get really sick and, and end up you know, honestly, sometimes in the hospital because they've worked so many hours. And so being in the hospital, medical bills, and then also not seeing clients, which then, you know, means that you're not making money. So I think, yeah, it can feel really compelling in the current moment to take a lot of clients and take them at any fee and slide your scale really low and, and all of that. But I think in truth, you want to look at what's possible, what's the ideal, and try to stick to it as much as possible. Certainly in the beginning, there's going to be a little bit of a hustle. Sometimes having a part-time job or working in a full-time job and adding a practice till you can make the leap. There's different ways to handle the practical financial realities. But I think when you push too long and you don't shift from kind of the immediate... I need to make money in this moment versus I need to build a sustainable practice. You know, if you don't shift to that after a certain point, you just won't sustain. It just can't happen. Katie, I wanted to wrap up with a final question, which is what would you say are three practical ways or three practical tips to address that tendency to sacrifice our own well-being for those who we serve? I think the biggest one is one we've already been talking about, which is shifting your mindset. When you take care of yourself, you can take care of others. I think that's exactly how you said it earlier, Melvin. So I think that's the first one. I think the second one is I kind of lean in. I realize that I don't do self-care practices unless I schedule it with someone else. You know, I get done with a, a massage. I schedule the next one. I make sure that if I'm going to, you know, I wake up early in the morning to make a nice healthy breakfast because I'm doing that for my husband. So like I make it relational because if I'm just taking care of myself for myself, I don't necessarily do it. So I make sure that I meet people to go for a walk or I, you know, I set up my appointment and make sure because that person's relying on me. And then the third one, and this is one that I I just got a kick out of it when I put it together. So I apologize if I'm a little giddy about it. It's a little silly, but I tell people that they need to make decisions like a boss. And so that's an acronym. So being a boss is being bold. Think about your big vision. Make sure that you're not being bogged down by fear or, or sacrificial helping. Be objective. Make sure that you think about the realities of it. Is it doable in the short term? Is it also something that you can do in the long term? Think about time, timing, energy, money, that kind of stuff. Be selective. If you say yes to one thing, you probably have to say no to something else. You know, 
a lot of women have the the shopping strategy. If I buy a new piece of clothes, clothes, I have to take one piece out of the closet. I think we have to think about our schedules that way too. Mm -hmm. And then be strategic. Actually put things into your schedule so you know what you're committing to. Don't make a to-do list. Make an actual schedule with the tasks that you're going to do laid out so that you can actually accomplish them. I like that. I want to be a boss. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. I'm working on it. Katie, I'm so grateful for you. Just grateful for this conversation. I think it definitely has my brain spinning and and thinking through a lot of stuff. Where can we learn more about you? And uh, please feel free to share any of the stuff that you've got coming up and the work that you're doing in the world. So like most sacrificial helpers, I've got a lot going on. So I put together a cool little landing page for the podcast, stc.katievernoy.com. And I'm sure you'll put that in your show notes. But I've got some coaching and I've got a special offer for your audience. And then I'm really excited. I am doing a conference. It's October 2018 as we're recording now, but it's something that we're hoping to continue forward. So check it out. But it's Therapy Reimagined. And we're really looking at all the things that help us become better clinicians, talking about the business, the profession and strengthening that, and also how we can be the clinicians we want to be. So it's looking at the the deliberate practice, looking at the self-care, that kind of stuff. So I'm super excited. I'm really wanting to support all of us becoming the strongest clinicians, business people, professionals that we can be. Perfect. Sounds good. Uh, Katie, thank you again for doing this interview and having this conversation. Oh, it was so much fun talking with you, Melvin. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Hi, gang. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Katie. And I hope that today's podcast session is giving you some inspiration and pause more than anything, especially if sacrificial helping syndrome is something that you struggle with on a day-to-day basis. I was uh, reflecting on today's podcast session, and there were just a couple of things that really resonated for me. Uh, the first thing was, you know, that acronym that Katie used of boss, that we're the boss, right? So that we have to be bold, we have to be objective, we have to be selective, and we have to be strategic. And I don't know, it's just, I've never heard it that way, but I, I love the phrase, right? So I think that a lot of times it's so easy. I mean, we even, see it in, you know, the STC Facebook community, where a lot of us are doing a lot of things. And it's very easy to look at something that we see on Facebook and just feel this sort of sense of like, oh my gosh, why am I not doing that? And how are they doing that? And all of those things. And I like that BOSS acronym because it reminds me that I'm the one that truly knows my business and sort of where my life is. And i I'm doing an injustice to myself if I try to live someone else's life or if I take like a little sliver of something I learn on social media and assume that that's that person's life. And I think the other thing for me is just to continue to check myself in terms of burnout and what I'm noticing within myself if my own tendency to be a sacrificial helper. Truth be told, I think with even, especially actually struggled with this with STC is that a lot of times I I go above and beyond just to serve the field, but sometimes I can just do that just because I almost set this sort of internal expectation and the reality is sometimes it makes me feel anxious and overwhelmed. And I think today's podcast conversation is just a check for me just to be 
thoughtful and intentional because I want to be doing this and, and serving our field for a long time. Katie mentioned a number of different resources, and I just wanted to highlight a couple of those. So Katie has a podcast called The Modern Therapist Survival Guide, and you guys should definitely check that out for conversations like the one that you heard today. Katie's conference that they're hosting in October of 2018, and if you guys are listening after uh, after that date, you can just go to stc.katievernoy, and Vernoy is V-E-R-N-O-Y.com. So again, stc.katievernoy.com. And uh, her Therapy Reimagined conference is happening in October, and uh, you should definitely check it out because I'm sure there's going to be lots of great conversations around this topic. Before we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Turning Point HQ for supporting today's podcast session. So Turning Point HQ is the result or is the brainchild of David Frank, who is a financial planner for therapists. And as I've mentioned before, uh, Dave and I actually have gotten to be good friends, just an awesome person to work with. And one of the things that Dave will help us to do is create a holistic and an intentional retirement and investing plan that supports you to lead a really awesome life. Because ultimately, I think for many of us, it's we invest, right, to create the life that we want. And uh, it's to do it in an intentional way. And Dave, honestly, is just one of the most like heart-centered folks that I've ever met. And you're absolutely going to be in good hands with him. You can learn more about Turning Point HQ and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Turning Point HQ. And if you go through that link, uh, Dave actually created this seven financial mistakes that therapists make. It's a free downloadable and uh, you can download it right there. And then you also get $200 off any of your, any of the services that Dave provides. Be sure to mention that you heard it on STC. Thank you again for taking the time to join me and uh, have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.